Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. Here is your host, Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. Glad that you're joining us for the early week edition of the show. I am your host, Justin Strawn. Got a good show lined up for you today. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. Mississippi State does get their man when it comes to the quarterback for the 2020 season. K.J. Costello announced on Twitter Monday night that he would be coming to Mississippi State, so we're going to discuss that and how it will affect the Bulldogs and the quarterback room going forward, not only into 2020, but into years in the future as well. We'll also look at Mississippi State's big win over the Tennessee Vols and what they can expect when they take the floor against the Kentucky Wildcats coming up Tuesday night. And we'll take a sneak peek at the Bulldog starting rotation, at least the weekend rotation as well. So we'll knock all that out and more here in just a little bit. But before we do anything, I do want to tell you guys about our sponsor, Cherokee Valley Golf Course. If you're a golfer and you live in the Greater Memphis area, you're probably just like me looking for the best opportunity for you to spend your golfing time wisely. Well, why not look and check out Cherokee Valley Golf Course? My son and I golf there almost every single time we go out, and it's a great course whether you're a skilled golfer looking for a challenge or if you're a beginner somewhat like me and just trying to learn how to play the game. My son and I have been playing there for years, and we would highly recommend it. They've done a great job of keeping the course maintained. It's a beautiful course, lots of wonderful practice facilities, no reason that you shouldn't be out there honing your game. So if you're in the Olive Branch area or in the greater Memphis area, give Cherokee Valley Golf Course a look and go ahead and tell them I sent you. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course. You can call them at 662-893-4444 or you can book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com. And before we get into the heart of the show, I do want to remind you guys that however it is that you prefer to get your podcast, I probably have that option available to you. You always have the SoundCloud app, which is where I know most of you get it. It is where I upload my show every time that I record a new podcast, and I appreciate all of you guys listening on the SoundCloud app. But if for some reason you prefer to get your podcast in some other method, I probably have you covered if you are an iphone or an ipad user if you have any type of apple device you can use the podcast app on that particular apple device and you can find my show there at starkville state of mind just do a search for it subscribe to it leave a five-star review do us all those wonderful favors so that we can help get the show out to more people Also, if you are an Android user, though, I've got you covered as well. You can go to the Google Play Store, and you can subscribe to it through the Google Play Store as well. So I've got you covered as well for all those of you who are out there using Android devices. And if you just prefer to listen to your podcast through the Spotify app because you have a Spotify subscription, I've got that covered for you as well. So all sorts of different ways that you can get a hold of the podcast. Now, let's go ahead and get into what we want to discuss today. We are starting with football because football just rules the roost in Mississippi. KJ Costello, he announces on Twitter that and Instagram, I guess if you're an Instagram person, that he is going to be transferring to Mississippi State. It has been a much-anticipated, long-awaited announcement. We've kind of been talking about this for about two weeks now it's been looking that way most people were expecting him to come to mississippi state there was a little bit of a concern that he might go to washington after he took their his official visit to washington but ultimately he decides to come to mississippi state he is coming as a grad transfer he has to finish up his course study this 
this particular semester, and after he is done with it, he will make, do everything he needs to do to transfer and start his grad, grad coursework at Mississippi State University, which will allow him to play immediately. Now, obviously, there are still some who, they're still a little bit jaded by the whole Tommy Stevens grad transfer thing. Guys, I tried to tell you this about a week ago. It's not the same thing. It, it's, it's not the same thing. Tommy Stevens was an unproven commodity. K.J. Costello is very much proven. He has thrown for a number of yards. He's had two really good seasons. The main reason that he was not the starter last year was because of injury. And he, in all likelihood, would have had a chance to compete and probably start again for the Stanford Cardinal this season. But it's a little bit different. He is not transferring because... Stanford does not have his coursework. It seems like he was not able to get admissions into Stanford's graduate program. Now, that doesn't mean he's stupid. Stanford is just a very, very tough school. It's, it's probably very difficult for any for any football player to get into a grad program at Stanford just because they are because they are just pulled in so many directions as a football player. But, I mean, he was a two-time Pac-12 all-academic team, so I'm not really concerned about the, him not being an intelligent person. It's just... It's just it's Stanford. I mean, like it's one of the top institutions in the country. So it is what it is. And so Mississippi State, though, they can take him just because they don't have the same strict admission requirements that a Stanford program has. So it's Mississippi State's gain and Stanford's loss. Now, what does it mean for Mississippi State in the immediate future? Look, he's going to be the quarterback. I know there are still people who are hoping that it'll be Keaton Thompson, that he will find a way to be the starting quarterback on this team. Look, if he's going to be on the team again in 2021, I'm sorry, in 2020, and heck, I guess even 2021, it's going to be at a different position. He's not going to be the quarterback for Mike Leach. He's just not. I know a lot of people are very attached to him. They love him because of what happened in the 2017 Gator Bowl, and I get it, and I understand it. But he is not a quarterback that was built for the Joe Moorhead offense, and he is certainly not a quarterback that was built for the Mike Leach offense. He's just not. He was he was brought in to run the Dan Mullen offense, which I think he would have been a star by doing so. But that's not that's not the hand that was dealt to him. After his first year as a freshman, as a true freshman, his coach that brought him in left, and they got a completely different offensive philosophy in Joe Moorhead and they that offensive philosophy continued to go in an even further direction away from what Dan Mullen did when they brought in Mike Leach it's just you know it's, it's a business Mississippi State was making hires that they felt like was the best in the best interest of the football team and they couldn't necessarily look at just one guy so I mean it is what it is so, so I, look unless like I said Keaton Thompson is going to talk to coach Leach about changing positions he's probably going to be on his way somewhere else eventually. Maybe he sticks out in the spring just to try to show that maybe he can run this offense. Maybe that's a possibility, but I just don't see it happening. And I kind of think the same thing will happen with Jalen Maiden. They are both Mullen guys. They were brought in to run Dan Mullen's offense, and I don't see either one of them being able to fit into what Mike Leach wants to do. So those two will probably be somewhere else in the near future. Maybe Jalen Maiden decides to stick it out for one year and just see, but it doesn't seem likely. Now, for Garrett Schrader, this does not signal the end of the Garrett Schrader era. We were just starting to get accustomed to him, and a lot of people think now that he is 
now that he is a new coach in store in coming in who runs a different offense than Joe Moorhead that the Garrett Schrader era is never going to happen. Look, that's not necessarily the case. Garrett Schrader was a pass-first quarterback. Now, he is a dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school, but he was a pass-first quarterback when he was coming out of high school. So, don't think that he can't run this offense. I think it's going to take some adjustment for him. I think it's going to take a lot of, you know, willingness to adapt and to change what he does as a quarterback and to not rely so much on his feet as he did in his freshman season and to be able to make more reads than what he is accustomed to making. If he can do that, I think he'll eventually have a spot at Mississippi State. But he's got to show that he can do that. It, but like I said, this does not end the Garrett Schroeder era. He can now take a he can now take a redshirt year in 2020, let KJ Costello come in and start, and then he can compete with Will Rogers and the kid that Mississippi State just got a commitment from in 2021, Daniel Greek, I think is his name. And they're probably going to take two quarterbacks in 2021, so there will probably be another quarterback coming in. But what this is basically allowing Mississippi State to do is to reset their quarterback room because it was looking. It's looking like Keaton Thompson and Jalen Bain will eventually be gone. I think Mike Leach is expecting that to happen. And when that does, it would have left just a true sophomore and a true freshman as your only quarterbacks on the roster. So it allows him to kind of build in a little bit of a of wiggle room. It's going to allow KJ Costello to come in, possibly showcase his talents, maybe get drafted by an NFL team, and then you can turn it over to either Garrett Schrader or Will Rogers. Now, what does it mean for Will Rogers? I think this is I think this is a great move for Will Rogers because he might be the favorite going into the quarterback battle in 2021. He was we, we, I've talked about this on the show. He was a quarterback that was recruited by Mike Leach, very heavily recruited by Mike Leach, as I might add. He ran a system in Brandon, Mississippi that was very similar to what Mike Leach wants to do. It's a modified version of the air raid in terms of a high school version of it. And look, obviously Mike Leach likes Will Rogers, else he wouldn't have recruited him. So it it makes sense that he might be the guy who has the, the edge going into the 2021 season. He will be a redshirt freshman. He'll have a year of experience just at least practicing with the Mike Leach offense and understanding what it is he's supposed to do. And like I said, he may be the best suited for for it between Garrett Schrader and Will Rogers. I, I don't know that Will Rogers is going to be the starting quarterback in 2021, but if I were going to bet, I would bet on him. Like I said, I don't think it necessarily means that Garrett Schrader is not going to be, but it's going to be one of them. And whichever one doesn't end up getting the job, they'll probably eventually part ways and go somewhere else because that's what this that's just what happens in college football today guys i know a lot of people don't like that it's just the fact of it's just a fact of life when you are a quarterback you want to play you want to showcase your talent you want to try to get to the nfl and you can't do that if you're sitting on the sideline so you know the future of garrett schrader and will rogers is yet to be determined it will be determined in 2021 the immediate future for Mississippi State will be determined by K.J. Costello. And I do believe that K.J. Costello means additional wins for this program. Look, I know there's lots of problems at receiver, and the Bulldogs are going to have to figure out some things with the receiver position. 
But I have enough faith in Mike Leach and his coaching staff, based off of what they have done in years past, to be able to get this receiving core up to speed and to get them able to run the offense and be quality receiving options for K.J. Costello in 2020. The track record of Mike Leach says that that is going to happen, and so therefore I expect it to happen in 2020. I think K.J. Costello is going to set a number of Mississippi State school records. He's probably going to break the single-season yards passing yards record. He's probably going to break the single-season touchdown passing record. He'll probably break a lot of single-game records, things like passing yards in a game, recept- uh, completions in a game, yards in a game, touchdown passes in a game. I mean, these are just based off of what we have seen from Mike Leach offenses and getting a really talented guy like K.J. Costello into the mix means that records will fall. Dak Prescott's going to start losing a lot of his passing records. You know, five years ago when he was the Mississippi State quarterback and wrapping up his career in 2015, it didn't look like any Mississippi State quarterback was ever going to break it. And if there was, it was going to be a lot further down the line just because you had the Dan Mullen offense, you were a run-first team for out the course of your entire history as a program, and... Now, all of a sudden, five years later, you are completely changed course, and you're getting ready to throw the football 50, 60 times a game. And that's just the fact of the matter when you have a Mike Leach coming into the program and taking over. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays up. Like I said, I think he does at least account for one additional win, possibly two. Look, this team was looking like... You know, you didn't really know what to expect with this team, but when it was looking like... There wasn't going to be, it was going to be either Garrett Schrader or Will Rogers. You didn't know who was going to be your running back. You you really didn't know much else about the offense. You were kind of thinking maybe try to get to six and just hope and pray you can kind of keep the ball streak going and go from there. But now that you have KJ Costello, a proven passer, a guy who has shown that he can be an elite level passer coming in, team him up with, with Kylan Hill. You've got two really good offensive weapons right there. And it should provide for some offensive fireworks. Look, this raises the expectations of the first year of the Mike Leach era. There is no question about that. The Mike Leach era now, you're expecting seven or eight wins, possibly even more. And that's what a quarterback will do. A really highly successful elite-level talented quarterback will do because he is an elite-level quarterback. He was just short of being considered a five-star prospect. And he is going to make a huge difference for the Mississippi State Bulldogs in 2020. Like I said, I think he's going to be good for at least additional win, possibly two. I think you can start looking at this that schedule and thinking every non-conference game should be a win. Arkansas should be a win. There's five right there. You look at that Kentucky game. That one should probably be a win as well. You've done well against Kentucky your entire for the past ten years. You got to start reestablishing that dominance you had during the Mullen era. Dan Mullen only lost to him once. You got to get back to that point. The reason Mississippi State was able to to rise up in the SEC was because of the fact that that game against Kentucky was always one that you could chalk up as a W. Mike Leach, I think, has the personnel and has the quarterback to be able to start that again. So that that one should be a win. Missouri should be a win. 
You should be further along than Missouri at this point. You should have more talent, which they do. You should, you're going to have the better quarterback. You should probably have it. You should have a better defense. There's no question about that. That game should be a W as well. Now you're up to seven. Now you look at Auburn and Ole Miss. Those are the two games that you probably, you know, if you can get one of them, you're back at eight. You're eight and four, and possibly if you get both of them, you're at nine and three, and you're looking really good at that point. So. Like I said, this raises the expectations of the first year of the Mike Leach era. It, it, it absolutely does that. Like I said, I, anything less than seven would be a pretty big disappointment for 2020. Because you have offensive firework, You have offensive firepower that should create some offensive fireworks. And you should have a defense that really got a lot of experience last year because of Tudorgate is bad as it was and as much as it hampered the 2018 I'm sorry the 2019 team it's going to provide lots of experience and lots of things to build upon in the 2020 season so you're in good shape in terms of 2020 now that you have your guy now that you have your quarterback your expectations are raised and you should be in a position where you can win at least seven and really probably should win more than seven games in 2020. So it's a good day to be a Bulldog fan if you're especially on the football side. Also a good day to be a Bulldog fan on the basketball side. Mississippi State does get a win on Saturday over the Tennessee Volunteers. They end up winning 86-73. to It was a 13-point victory. After a pretty sluggish start in the first half, Mississippi State was down by six at the half. They were down 34-28. to But they come roaring back in the second half and end up outscoring the Tennessee Vols by 19 points in the second half and just put on a shooting clinic there in the second half. Look, a lot of the problems that Mississippi State was having in terms of the first half was related to the fact that they're Dominant post presence, at least in terms of post defense, Abdullah Du had to sit out probably 80 to 90 percent of the first half because he got an early foul trouble. He picked up two quick early fouls, and when he did that, they had to send him to the bench. And it allowed Tennessee to get to the rim a lot more. It allowed them to play their game a lot more than what Mississippi State would have liked for them to do. And when they were able to do that. They were having a lot of success offensively against the Mississippi State defense. Now, they didn't put up a ton of points, and that's probably they're probably kicking themselves for it. They really should have put up you know, 40, 45 points while they had Abdul do out. And if, since they didn't take advantage of it, then it ended up costing them in the long run. But once they get Abdul do back in the second half, he actually did pick up a third foul pretty quickly, but Ben Howland decided to go ahead and keep him in the game. And... Mississippi State then just proceeded to slow Tennessee down a lot in terms of their offense, and they picked things up a lot in terms of their their improved defense led to a lot of offensive opportunities, and Mississippi State absolutely wiped the floor with them in the second half. Look, Reggie Perry is quickly becoming the leader for the SEC Player of the Year. He has He's averaging, I think, nearly 17 points a game, over 10 rebounds per game, and he picked up his second SEC Player of the Week, not uh, second SEC Player of the Week award in three weeks. Like I said, he is becoming the SEC Player of the Year. Nick Weatherspoon is becoming quite the distributor. He is continuing to make make plays with his dribble. I think he had like six or seven assists on Saturday. I don't have the stats up in front of me, and I don't really feel like looking them up at this point, to be honest with you. But 
he's getting other players involved. He's scoring himself. He's finding opportunities for himself to score, and he's allowing his other his teammates to get involved in the scoring as well. And it is proving to be quite an offensive threat by the Bulldogs. They are becoming a much more offensive team. They're scoring points at a much higher rate, and it's just continuing to reinforce the fact that once Mississippi State got Nick Weatherspoon back, they were going to be a very dangerous team. That has been proven time and time again over the past six games. Obviously, there was a learning, there was an adjustment period that they had to take care of with Nick Weatherspoon, which was a little bit surprising. There's no question about that. It's surprising that they had to kind of go through that with a guy who was a who's a junior and has been on this team for the past two seasons. But there was some type of an adjustment there. But they've made it now, and now they're looking like one of the best teams in the country. They look like they are going to end up eventually being a lock for the NCAA tournament. They are not there yet, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they had that really bad three-game losing streak to start SEC play, and that's kind of put them in a hole. They're still not considered an in-tournament team, at least as far as I can tell, by Joe Lenardi. But they're showing up in other bracketologists' projections as being in and kind of moving into the the last four out territory. I'm sorry, the last four in territory. But if you can get a win on Tuesday against the Kentucky Wildcats, now you go from being not only just in, but you know starting to think about, all right, we need to play for seeding at this point. Because I've already told you guys, if you've been listening to my show, that Mississippi State's schedule gets a lot easier once you kind of get past this game. They've got a chance to start making some serious noise in the SEC if they can get through this game with a win. Now, look, they don't have to win this game. If they lose the game, they're not their tournament chances are not toast. But what this is is this is an this is an opportunity to make a statement. You're going on the road. You're going to Rupp Arena. You're playing a team that's a top 30 net team, if I'm not mistaken. And you're playing a Kentucky team that is good, but they're not the typical Kentucky team that so many of us have seen growing up throughout the years. They're a good team, but they're not the world beaters that we are associated with in the past. Look, this team, Kentucky team only averages 75 points a game. Most Kentucky teams, especially in the John Calipari era, average 82, 83, 84, 85 points a game. So they're quite a bit down from what they are used to getting ever since John Calipari took over. They're a good shooting team. They shoot 46%, so that's not bad. They're pretty good in terms of three-point range, 32.6. It's okay. It's not spectacular, but it's okay. They do a really good job of getting rebounds just because that's the way John Calipari builds his team. He likes really long, athletic guys, so it's not surprising that they out-rebound their opponents by five and a half rebounds per game. But the guy that you want to look out for is Emmanuel Quickly. He is their leading scorer. He averages 14.3 points per game. He's kind of a good all-around player. Uh, he gets 4.3 rebounds uh, per game. He's got 38 assists on the year, so almost two assists per game. Then the other guys that you have to look out for, their post presence is Nick Richards. He has not shot a single three-pointer on the year. And I guess that's what was, uh, I was getting to earlier as well. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly, he shoots 40% from three-point range, so he's kind of the guy that you – don't want to see get hot because if he gets hot it's going to be tough to cool him down uh, like i said nick richards is their post presence he averages 14 points per game 8.2 rebounds per game uh, just a tough guy that they're probably i'm guessing they're going to put a bill on him i don't think you want to put 
Reggie Perry on him because if you do, it could end up getting Reggie Perry in foul trouble. And you, while you don't want to do a dude to get in foul trouble, you definitely don't want Reggie Perry getting in foul trouble. Uh, after him is Tyrese Maxey, who averages 13.6 points per game. It's just a solid player all around. Uh, four rebounds per game, uh, about three assists per game. But the guy who probably makes everything run for Kentucky is their point guard. That's Ashton Higgins. Ashton Higgins is averaging 12.8 points per game, but he's averaging seven assists. He's had 147 assists in 21 games. That is right at seven assists per game. He is the guy that gets the rest of the team involved. He scores himself. Uh, he's got a pretty decent shooting percentage at 43%. That's pretty good for a point guard. Shoots 31.7% from the three-point line. In terms of free throws, he's uh, he's, he's a really solid th- uh, free throw shooter. That's kind of a, a thing that's not normal for Kentucky teams. Uh, this team, this Kentucky team, is a really good free throw shooting team. They shoot 77 77.7% from the free throw line. So you don't have any one guy that you can just put on the line if – you need to, if, if, to and hope and pray that they start missing free throws if you get behind. But they're, like I said, they're a good team, but they're not great. I mean, their schedule, they currently have two SEC losses. Let me pull up their schedule real quick. I know they lost to Auburn this past Saturday. I'm not sure if that is good for State or bad for State. I kind of think it's good for them. I think it just kind of shows that they can be beaten. And if you're a Mississippi State fan, you know you just kind of want to be able to see that. And, of course, I can't pull their schedule up right now. There we go. Uh, who was their other conference loss to? Let me find it real quick. Uh, they lost to South Carolina. That's right. So, I mean, look, South Carolina beat them. Uh, it was obviously in Columbia, but that's a – South Carolina's not a spectacular team. They they have been a sub-100. I think they may have climbed into the top 100 of the net rankings at this time. But they're not a spectacular team. South Carolina is a gritty team that slowed them down, made them play a type of game that they're accustomed to, and ended up winning that game. Mississippi State can do the same thing. It's going to be harder since it's going to be in, in Kentucky, but you can still do it. You can definitely do it. So, look, I don't expect Mississippi State to win this game. I'm going to predict a loss just because of the fact that Kentucky is the more talented team. They are the better team. But they're not so much better that Mississippi State can't win. Uh, but I ain't going to pre- predict Kentucky to win this game. I'm probably going to predict it 75-68. to 68. kind of think this game is going to be close throughout, and they push a little bit of a lead out towards the end of the game, and that's where Kentucky ends up winning uh, putting the game away in the, at the free throw line late in the game. So that's kind of the way I see this happening. But look, I'm not going to be surprised if Mississippi State finds a way to win on Tuesday night at Rupp Arena. I won't be. I won't be surprised at all if that ends up happening. Don't expect it to happen, but, you know, stranger things have happened. So we'll see. All right, last thing I want to go over, Mississippi State, uh, they start the baseball season on uh, next week, next Friday, February 14th. You will have JT Ginn taking the mound. He will be the Friday night starter. And the two guys who come after him, they're going to be the guys that end up really determining just how good or how bad of a season Mississippi State has. Look, they have all the talent in the world. JT Ginn is a 2020 prospect. He is a draft-eligible sophomore, so he could be gone after this year. I guess it's possible that he could pull a Jake Mangum and not get the offer that he wants and come back for his junior season. That's very much possible, but I would expect him to be gone after this year. But the two guys they have after JT Ginn are high-level 2021 
prospects. Christian McLeod is right now scheduled to be the Saturday starter for the Bulldogs. A lot of he was supposed to be the starter on Sunday going into the season last year, but he ended up with some type of illness. The Bulldogs have never said what that illness was. And it was severe enough that it's he basically couldn't play in 2020 and 2019. So they hold him back. They, they end up redshirting him. And now it looks like he is good to go for the 2020 season. And it will be the, and he will be the Saturday starter. It's going to be a difficult Look, it's not going to be an easy task for a redshirt freshman to take over as the Saturday starter, but you saw JT Ginn do it, a guy who was highly, highly talented prospect, a guy that has all the right stuff, and he did really well in 2019 as a Saturday starter. So you've seen a freshman do it. Now you just got to have a redshirt freshman do it in, 20, in 2020. And I think that based off of what we have seen from the scouts, based off of what everyone is telling us, the Bulldogs should be okay here. Christian McLeod, like I said, he, he, there's, a, there's a lot riding on him, but everybody seems convinced that he's going to live up to all this potential and all this hype that you're hearing about this kid. So I'll be interested to see what he actually can do because I haven't seen him pitch myself. So I'll be interested to see actually how he does. And the third guy of your rotation is Eric Sarantola. Now, Eric Sarantola was on the mound quite a bit for the Bulldogs last year, but the problem that Eric Sarantola had, he has the stuff to be a number one ace in Major League Baseball at some point. The problem is he doesn't have the control yet. If he can learn to control his stuff, and if he can learn to control that incredible fastball that he has, that he just blows people away with, he's going to have a very special career. Now, that's the question. Can he do it? It was really funny last year watching the SEC tournament because when Mississippi State was playing LSU in the second game, they played LSU against LSU in the in the loser's bracket portion of the SEC tournament. Mississippi State had gone through a lot of pitchers, and they were just trying to get through that end of the, that last game. And they ended up having to bring Eric Sarantola into the game. Eric Sarantola did not pitch, I don't think, a single SEC inning in 2019 except for this one appearance that he made in the SEC tournament and I was watching it and you had the announcing uh, the, the broadcast crew and one of the guys in the broadcast crew was Kyle Peterson Kyle Peterson is kind of the the college baseball announcer and he hadn't really seen he wasn't aware of who Eric Sarantola was but when Eric Sarantola comes in he starts throwing this gas that hits like 97 98 and he's like well, who is this kid I mean, that's the type of stuff he has. He's like, why are they just now pitching him? Well, it's because he, he doesn't have the control that he needed. If he comes out and he, he can establish control over his fastball, learn how to command a breaking ball, then he's going to be one of the best pitchers that's ever come through Mississippi State. But that's a big if. Look, the Sunday starting role has always been one of those that's you just have to kind of figure it out. I think Mr. State is in a much better position than they normally are because they, they have a really talented guy who can do this. They just need him to live up to that to that talent level. But I think that you're in a good shape if you're the Bulldogs in terms of your starting pitching rotation. You've got three guys who are expected to be high-round draft picks whenever it is they decide to leave and head to Major League Baseball. Whenever Major League Baseball comes calling, they're going to call their names early just because of the fact that they are so very, very talented.
So the starting pitching rotation is just one more reason why you should be really excited about this baseball team coming into the 2020 season. Why they have another great opportunity to make it to the Omaha and to possibly be the first ever team to go three straight years to Omaha. This never happened in Mississippi State's history. They never had more than two teams make it uh, more than they never had more than a back-to-back appearance. Mississippi State's going to try to make it three straight appearances this year, and they'll have a great chance. They really will. And like I said, the starting pitching rotation will be one of the reasons why. All right, guys, I am going to go ahead and cut the show off there. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope to be able to give you a recap of an, a huge victory over the Wildcats on Thursday. But if not, you know, we'll see. Or Friday, whenever it is, I end up recording. So appreciate you guys tuning in. And as always, until next time, L State.